Genre. Everyone and welcome to the protagonist podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and joining me this week is Kestra Dorowski. Welcome back, Kestra. Thank you. And also joining the discussion is producer Andrew. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Charles Hayden Savage, Oliver Putnam, and Mabel Mora from the TV series Only Murders in the Building. Kestra, welcome back. It's been a little while since we had you on. Yeah, I don't remember what the last thing I was on for. I mean, but... I can find it while we're chatting, but I don't have it. It's at been a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I said, hey, we need to have you back on again. And we settled on talking about this, and we're double recording with you and have another fun episode that you're going to be on soon. But we had been kind of bouncing around a few different things, and then... I think you suggested only murders in the building. Yeah. I was just thinking about like what I've watched recently, what has come out over the last year or something. And then I was like, Oh, what about only murders in the building? Cause the third season, right. It was the third season that mm-hmm. finished last year. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's actually for a streaming show been remarkably third season or second season. Uh, they've season. done three seasons. Um, oh. And they set up the fourth. <laughs> and they set oh, up the fourth, yeah. and right. the fourth is scheduled to be out this summer. So they're they're actually being fairly Already? consistent wow. for a for wow. streamer. They've done every summer since it came out. Which I Stranger Things. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> um, like season a, three was like late summer. Yeah, I think it's normally come out in July most of the time. I can double check that. Season three must have been in August or something. It it was later it because felt... we were we were in this apartment and moving day wasn't even until yeah. July. Yeah. Uh, so each, yeah, season one was 2021 and began in August of 2021. Season two was June of 2022. And then season three was back to August of 2023. Okay. So it felt like a long time, but maybe I think maybe they just are kind of quiet. They don't do a trailer until like a month before it comes out. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty slow about that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, um, when season i i know they're they're working on season four now uh but i don't think it has an official release date but based on that pattern i would guess june july or august is Mm -hmm. when we'll get to season four uh but kestra what do you like about only murders in the building that made you want to talk about it for this um it's so good (laughs) (laughs) i i really enjoy the like i'm not usually like a horror kind of we don't want a lot of like crime procedurals yeah we, we, not a lot of cozy british detective murders oh that's my wheelhouse i'm all over that <laughs> i i used to and then i don't know what happened but i uh, happened you know andrew just... i don't only like the cozy ones i also like the ones with the brooding uh staring off <laughs> into the ocean because there's you, always an ocean right there in any the, british murders <laughs> somewhere in there is like a hard edge and that's broad church and that is yes. not something you go back to and i i've watched broad church and once yeah once <laughs> it's the only time i'm gonna watch it <laughs> yeah. and so like they're there i used to be more into you know like true crime kind of things and and now i'm just kind of like that's not really my thing but when i find the right thing I'll, I'll get into it and having selena gomez on really drew me i was like oh i haven't seen selena in in a bit let's let's check this out and then seeing her against the classic com uh comic duo 
of Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them in two couple, things. Two things, but like you hear about them. I've heard I mean, about them. I think them. you saw you saw Only Murders in the Building, I think, before we watched Three Amigos oh, or yeah. Father of the Bride. Yes. Definitely. And so, so Jizzo, I think this is a very different dynamic. Yes. I do not think you were coming to this show for <laughs> Selena. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it was mostly, okay, I've definitely heard Martin Short, Steve Martin together. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything with them together at the at the point that this uh first episode was coming out but i was like oh um yeah i'm really interested in selena gomez because i watched wizards of waverly place when that was coming out and um and i was like okay let's let's give this a shot and the trailer intrigued me and it seemed to intrigue andrew too which is always a plus because watching something without your spouse is hard sometimes (laughs) Well, I will just quick note for listeners. Uh, this is not cozy in its language. It is cozy mm-hmm. in its tone in general. And also, like, it doesn't really dwell on the gore of a murder scene the way even yeah. some network dramas do. Like I, uh, I, Criminal I Minds or Bones would often give you, like, a very gory shot of the murder scene. This doesn't I, yeah. really. I mean, the, I mean, it's not the, the, like the cavity in his skull is oh that's kind true there was, for me yeah there, there was that yes. uh but 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 it's like it's gruesome but, like one time yeah in the season but i can handle the the gruesome more than andrew does it it gives andrew more squeamish vibes i didn't really look up throughout that portion of the episode no but like i watched all of bones multiple mm-hmm. times because i'm a i love bones when when like streaming was first really becoming a big thing and i was in high school i was like on a detective kind of yeah. kick so i watched like all of psych all of monk all of bones and caught up on bones and then was watching bones as the final seasons were coming out and i loved bones very much and, and that, that has a very gory murder discovery very regularly yes very regularly <laughs> so I this remember- one didn't really like make me squirm as much as as andrew mm-hmm. but like it it's it's a little gruesome yes i remember uh when bones was on often that would be like emily and i uh in the latter seasons we were married and sometimes it, like we have shows on our dvr to watch for you know on our date night like friday night when you know we make a nicer dinner watch something together and a lot of times it was bones and we always like let's watch the first scene then eat dinner (laughs) (laughs) fair fair um uh oh but i was also going to note uh with only murders in the building uh fair number of f-bombs that get used if you watch it on hulu but recently abc because of the writers and actor strikes didn't have any new content and they've been airing (laughs) edited versions of only murders in the building where they've just bleep the language um so there is uh, an existing uh, cleaner cut out there if you want to seek that one out. Uh, so Only Murders in the Building tells the story of Charles Hayden Savage, Oliver Putnam, and Mabel Mora starting a true crime podcast and solving a murder after a, someone is killed in the apartment building that they all live in. And it stars, as we've noted, Steve Martin. He plays Charles Hayden Savage. Martin Short is Oliver Putnam. And Selena Gomez is Mabel Mora. And we're going to be discussing the pilot, True Crime, which was directed by Jamie Babbitt and written by Steve Martin and John Hoffman and originally premiered on Hulu on August 31st, 2021. Um, we've, we've talked about how we came to it. Uh, I think we all watched that first season pretty much what was coming out. Is that accurate for you two? You watched yeah. it in 2021? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had not seen Selena Gomez in anything. And I just got to say, I think her energy against the manicness 
of <laughs> of Martin Short and the drollness of Steve Martin is just perfection. Like I think she's so key to this trio, but we'll get we'll get to that more. But uh, like she was for me was the one like I knew the least about in terms of uh, her her performance style, and I think what she brings to it is so key to the success of this show. Um, all right, a little bit of trivia. This show was created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman, and it has aired ten episode seasons each summer since 2021, and a, a fourth season will be coming out in 2024. It's been nominated for lots of awards. Emmy nominations uh, or wins include Nathan Lane winning for Best Guest Actor and also wins for Production Design and Sound Mixing. And it has nominations for Outstanding Comedy Series. And Steve Martin and Martin Short have been nominated for Lead Actors, though Selena Gomez has never been nominated. Uh, It has also had nominations for Writing and Directing, but hasn't won any of those uh, main actor, Lead Actor or Writing and Directing awards yet. Uh, the series came from an idea Steve Martin began developing a decade before the show was created, and it was about three old men who are obsessed with solving crimes but are too tired to go anywhere, so they only solve <laughs> crimes in their own apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can see the seeds there, but you also see a lot of differences uh, with what we finally get here. Um, the three main leads are all executive producers, so they are very invested in keeping this thing going. So I don't know how many seasons we're going to end up with, but... Um, the success has been good to all of them. And the show has been noted for its impressive guest appearances, often with celebrities playing themselves. And this has included Sting, Amy Schumer, Matthew Broderick, Jimmy Fallon, and Mel Brooks, all appearing as versions of themselves, sometimes exaggerated versions of themselves. Uh, and Does then, that make it feel weird when Nathan Lane is not playing himself? Well, I was about to say, <laughs> Meryl Streep, Paul Rudd, Tina Fey, and Nathan Lane had recurring roles uh, in uh, not playing themselves, but like Paul Rudd playing an actor, which and Meryl Streep playing an actress, which starts to feel like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Particularly, oh man, when Matthew Broderick came in, it was... <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Broderick was just he, he he arrives in season three and it is perfection. But also, I don't think I don't think we saw Nathan Lane in season three. I'm trying to remember. Um, um, we saw it, his son. If but anything, it would be pretty minor. Yeah, but I it's don't like think we saw him. If if he had had Nathan Lane in a scene with him, it would have been very strange. <laughs> where Matthew Broderick was playing himself. <laughs> Sorry, I should clarify for our listeners: not Nathan Lane's son, Nathan Lane's character's character's son. son. Right? Yes. Um, in terms of critic reception, the first season received a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so wonderful. Pretty solid. Yes. And, uh, one of my favorite critics to read for television criticism is Alan Sepinwall and his review about season one said the series turns out to be like the princess bride galaxy quest or Jane, the Virgin, that rare and wonderful thing, the parody that also offers a great example of the genuine article. And I think that captures so much of what I love about it. Um, you know, that this is lampooning and playing with the tropes of both murder and then also true crime, uh, you know, entertainment. Uh, but then it becomes so good, you know, by itself that it's not necessary to know the thing that's being parodied to appreciate the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, real quick, it, it crossed my mind. Um, and I don't want to like lose it. I think my favorite, like, not cameo. Um, supporting character is the cop and she's nominated for for an oscar this year oh she was great uh she's she's always she's always great in this but she was yeah she was in um 
a movie. I think the holdovers, the Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And I think she's nominated for, for, for best supporting, for supporting actress. actress. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch the holdovers. I have not gotten I, to that. I really, it's on our list. I really want to watch, watch it. But, but part of it is because I knew that she was in it and then that she got nominated. I'm like, well, I really want to watch it. Cause I've loved her yes. in this. Like to me, she's like how... the fourth character I think of. Yeah. Huh. I don't know how to describe it, but so much of what works about, the, the the characters and the way they play off each other is actually like the energy that they represent mm-hmm. and her energy against again martin short is just perfection the looks that she gives that are so withering it is amazing mm-hmm. yeah and well and she is like she is a grizzled cop in a way that i feel like i haven't seen in anything before where mm-hmm. she's like grizzled but it's not eating at her she's just grizzled and over it yeah, just, she's just tired and weary of. Yeah, she's and then, tired. And, then like, and, and she like steps into this world where they're being like plucky investigators, and she is just like, "Don't even." <laughs> like, Stop it's, with it's the like, true crime like, podcast. You are wasting my time. You are an annoyance to me. I am trying to get this yeah. job done. Stop getting yeah. in the way. <laughs> um, because only murders in the building is a streaming show on Hulu. Ratings are hard <laughs> to nail down uh but hulu did announce that the premiere set the record for most watched comedy in its history and according it weird to, to call it a comedy yes <laughs> yes according to some analytics it has been like the most streamed show on all streamers for the weeks that new episodes come out oh however they're trying to gauge that because the streamers yeah. don't give the numbers yeah, exactly. It's it's oh, I wish we had more actual true data on these things. They they have the data. Yeah, I know. Um there's an official companion podcast, Only Murders in the Pod, that has many of the cast and crew on as guests. I've never given a listen, but I probably will now that I know it exists. Yeah, I don't think I knew it existed either. I mean, I had the temptation after watching the pilot for this episode and writing the summary to just keep going. <laughs> yes. And so I could definitely see myself like watching an episode and pulling up the podcast episode. It's very meta to have the show about true crime podcasters having a podcast. Yes. <laughs> maybe maybe I, in doing the podcast, they learn what it's like to actually do a podcast. Cause it doesn't <laughs> seem like they know <laughs> based on the show recording at a, at a, at a music stand on yeah, a stage they, they in Oliver's really have apartment. no idea how to um, record. Uh, I was going to say, I really hope it doesn't get like so meta that there is actually a murder associated with the show ever. <laughs> that would be a little too much. Yeah. Um, the seventh episode of the first season is particularly notable. It is told from Theo's point of view. Theo is the character that is the Nathan Lane character's son, and Theo is deaf. And in that episode, there's no audible dialogue for the entire episode. It's all from Theo's or music. Point of I don't think. Or I think it's totally it's, silent. It's yeah. really fascinating. Or, or, or like muted in the way that sometimes yeah. deafness is depicted. Yeah, I have not gone and rewatched it since it, since watching the first season. But I remember being very struck by it in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah. oh wow, this is this is unlike anything I've seen on TV before. I, um, when I was growing up, uh, a girl I was friends with who was my neighbor for several years before she moved away, her mom was deaf. So I learned some sign language from her. And then when I went into high school and college, I took sign language classes. So like the deaf community has always been like fascinating to me and and something that I, uh, really took and, uh, like researched and done. Mm -hmm. Try to support. Yeah. And try to support. Uh, but yeah, just as far as like, uh, 
like a, a different presentation. Uh, that episode really did stand out in the in the first season. Yeah. It's almost I, I, I mean, I'm sure because at that point there's so many webs and strands, you probably just can't go jump to episode seven and try and appreciate it for what no. it is. Um, but it's it's worth watching. Uh, so watch go, the six episodes watch before seven episodes, <laughs> seven hours of television. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, before we move on to the summary, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode, and we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media that we are consuming that we are not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And we also hear updates about Fantasy Box Office, and Andrew would love for you to go listen to... <laughs> any updates about the fantasy box office for about the first quarter of the year, just because of the calendar of releases. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is, he's got a lead and it's not going to go away for a while. You've won every year so far. I think it's Andrew's turn. Let Andrew have it. (laughs) No, we have enough data points that there are not turns. uh but uh at the moment your lead would appear insurmountable because i have nothing coming out for a little while <laughs> that's gonna do very well for me um all patrons who support us with five dollars per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss on to the spoiler zone summary of the pilot of only murders in the building so the episode opens with police rushing into an apartment building and Charles and Oliver run screaming through the stairs that they won't leave her behind. And then they burst into a room where they see Mabel covered in blood over a dead body. And then we jump to two months earlier and we do not revisit the scene till the very last episode. <laughs> so you kind of forget that that happened <laughs> until, uh, until the show circles back. So two months before Charles Hayden Savage is a retired actor who starred in a popular crime drama, 20 years ago he has an awkward interaction with a fan who grew up watching the show with his dad uh and then we're gonna jump over and meet mabel who is a young woman living in new york who imagines how she would kill any man who attacked her <laughs> like she's just imagining to herself as she walks around the street then we're gonna see oliver putnam a broadway theater director who is vaguely working on potential future projects they all live in the Arconia, a fancy New York City apartment building. Um, they end up on an elevator together. And then a man named Tim Kono gets on too and talks on his phone while ignoring them before he steps off. There is some awkward interaction between Charles Oliver and Mabel. And then each one gets off the elevator and rushes into their individual apartments to begin listening to the just released episode of a true pi- crime podcast all is not okay in Oklahoma. That classic podcast appointment listening, seven p.m. <laughs> yeah, gotta be there. Gotta be there. Right. To when... <laughs> listen to it right as it drops, because that's how podcasts work. <laughs> it's so funny. Hey, you know the true fans of the protagonist podcast are there for the random release anytime between midnight on Sunday <laughs> and midnight and 7 on Monday on Monday morning when it comes out. <laughs> and it's it's definitely something that you 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 listen to part of, and then you definitely hear someone listening to it as well and so you go up to them and you're like what was this all about yeah yeah (laughs) because obviously they've gotten to that point yes so each of them because they began listening simultaneously 
and we'll we'll talk about the mechanics of podcasts a little bit after we get through this whole plot <laughs> um, are reaching a key moment in the podcast when a fire alarm forces them to evacuate the Arconia. Charles uh, leaves and he goes and gets a booth at a nearby restaurant and is trying to listen to the podcast when Oliver arrives. Uh, Oliver can't find any other seat, so he he's, joins. He's listening to it without headphones or anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Come on. Bad public behavior. Bad, bad public behavior. <laughs> Don't listen to your crime podcasts. <laughs> So uh, uh, Oliver forces his way into the booth with uh, or around the table. I think it was. I don't think it was a booth. I think it was a table with Charles. Mm -hmm. And they realize they're trying to listen to the same episode of the same podcast. And they sit together. Oliver sees Mabel enter the restaurant and waves her over. Charles and Oliver introduce themselves. She sees what they're listening to. And they all sit down together to break down the mystery and critique the podcast's pacing. And also get to know each other a little bit. When they head back to the Arconia, there are police everywhere the doorman says a body was found the three sneak back in and they find tim kono's body they all freak out after seeing the body uh the police are calling this a suicide but charles oliver and mabel think there is something fishy they go to check out a trash bag that they saw tim kono carrying and while charles and oliver try to start recording a podcast mabel digs through the trash and find what looks like a suicide note the next day, Oliver goes to visit his son and ask for some money since he hasn't been able to get work. His son can't give him another loan. Uh, Charles and Mabel realize that they overheard Tim talking about a package that had disappeared, and they think that package was probably accidentally sent to another resident, and they know which one. Uh, so they break into that resident's apartment. We get a little background about Charles uh, living alone for 30 years because he's too worried he'll be like his dad. His dad wasn't a great person, uh, especially towards his mother. Mabel is living alone in a big apartment because the apartment belongs to her aunt and she's been asked to help renovate it. Uh, we learn that Mabel used to hang out with a group of friends that they called and they called themselves the Hardy Boys and they would try and solve crimes in a big old apartment complex in New York. But now she's like Charles and thinks it's just better to live alone. Uh, Mabel and Charles get into the apartment and they find Tim's package, which is an engagement ring, which makes no sense if his notes say that he was lonely and hopeless. And then Charles and Oliver and Mabel are going to go script out and record the first episode of a true crime podcast. And at the end of the episode, we see an old a photo of Mabel with Tim Kono and friends, and it is labeled the Hardy Boys. The end. So good. <laughs> I I literally like I was reading my own summary and I got like, oh, the twist with Tim Kono. I got a little chill. I'm like, I yeah. forgot about it. You know, it's just a great twist uh, there uh, at the end of the episode that makes you immediately want to watch the next episode and find out what Mabel's connection is to Tim Kono. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Kestra, very often we mention any nits to pick. Should we just talk about podcasting for a minute before we talk about what we love about the episode? <laughs> yes, because they have podcasting wrong, completely just wrong and i mean yes we are not true crime podcasters however i am sure that they do not record at all like this at, at as well <laughs> I mean, we're gonna see the voice behind the true crime podcast all is not okay in oklahoma sitting at a more traditional recording setup uh in a future episode so like there is some nods to professional podcasting true yes that happens but Watching them try and like record a podcast, it's just pure chaos. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then doesn't it, like they get fans who who like get t shirts and are following them around. Like they haven't 
put out that many episodes and it's it's just weird how quickly that they got listeners too yeah you just kind of have to accept like in this world that's how it works and we're not going to worry about it very much but yeah so they record on a stand in oliver's apartment right well during the the trash digging scene they record just Oliver hitting record on a voice memo on his phone and waving the phone in the general direction of whoever's talking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Which is like, if you're trying to get notes immediately, sure, that's a fine way to like start gathering your thoughts. But like when you're actually putting it together, I mean, Andrew, who is edits all these podcasts. Uh, yeah. And I've given you my uh, plenty of headaches through <laughs> our heading towards a decade of podcasting together. And, uh, yeah. I've ruined the audio files for you on more than one occasion, but I can't imagine you trying to put together what we see them <laughs> <laughs> providing it as content work. <laughs> to be stitched together into a cohesive episode. Yes. And and they will just like, yeah, like you said, swing the, the phone around or swing the mic around to whoever is supposed to be narrating and they're trying to edit as they go and it's like okay are you putting on a show are you doing a tv show because this doesn't seem like a podcast but it ends up being a podcast and it it supposedly does really well or really quickly yeah uh, right where you said like they released an episode and suddenly they have fans with t-shirts i'm like that's not how podcasting works (laughs) nope (laughs) yeah it but besides them getting podcasting, well, just them, because like yeah. you said, we have the the other podcasters who who seem to have like a a, a better setup. And, well, and, and it's worth noting, like the the podcasting conceit. One, they're trying to parody the obsession with true crime yes. podcasting, yeah. which on the one hand is a very big genre within podcasting, but also it's been a genre for every mass media of communication always. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Like yes, newspapers, dime novels, film, regular uh, television, novels, radio, right? like, comic these books. have all done true crime. True crime. Yes. Like, like it's always been something. Like this, this isn't a brand new fascination. It's just somehow its association with podcasts made a lot of people go like, "That's really weird." Like it's it's also like literally how newspapers were sold. <laughs> true. <laughs> but but besides them having like and Andrew and I will be like that's not how podcasting goes as we're watching the episode it's still a really good show and that first episode just you still want to just binge watch the next yeah the whole season the Mm -hmm. whole series because it's just it's really good and they set up each episode and the next episode look with cliffhangers really really well or even seasons like we're we're we're, and we ended season three with a cliffhanger that we're like um hello we need answers now please thank you yeah and and so like this first season it's all gonna be about the murder of tim kono but there at the pilot i mentioned like the first scene of the series is setting up what becomes the season two plot is the the murder that we saw or or, or the victim that we saw mabel standing over yes Uh, you know that murder is what season two is and then when you hear there's gonna be season three it starts to be like okay that's a lot of murders for one building but they actually move off of out of the building for season three and it feels like just the right move i actually think that was the perfect time to go explore Uh a, a different setting and and like a year ahead and then 
and then the tease for season four, it's like back in the building and it's kind of like, oh, back home. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like season that. three, the, the setup for it was out of the out of the building, but then it ended up basically it ended up in the building. So, yeah, it, but yeah, they 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 have they have kind of been like, OK, it is only murders in the building. So they they do have to like stick with that plot. But but at the same time, it's like, but I want more that aren't just in the building that's just mm-hmm. them but yeah it's it's really good how they how they set everything everything up and um make you want more so the uh the title of the show only murders in the building which seems very odd it is in, in the pilot they're talking about their podcast and that's the name of their podcast because they are only going to talk about murders that happened in their building in the Arconia, which I think is a, a callback to Steve Martin's original plan of old men that are solving crimes but only in their own building yes mm-hmm. yeah um it's really it's it's just yeah they're stuck with that that only murders in the building they're like well it's probably just gonna be this only one right and <laughs> no no it's not <laughs> this the arconium is it has has some history and <laughs> and some future <laughs> yeah there's a lot that i like in the series about the tone that it gives us and um in particular just we'll come back and focus on this episode, but across a season, I think each season they give you one like pure Steve Martin absurdist comedy moment mm-hmm. where he really is like going all in on like old SNL hosting Steve Martin, yeah. you know, like like just doing the strangest, but they pace it so well that you kind of forget that side of Steve Martin till they give you that moment. And then it's just the perfect amount. And they, they kind of mix up where it happens in the season too, where it's like, you, you can't just wait for the last episode, uh, you know, of the season. Cause they might throw you the white room scene in, <laughs> uh, in season three way earlier, uh, mm-hmm. than, than, than you expect. Uh, and that's just something I've very much enjoyed about how they, they put the, the whole season together. I think they pace out the 10 episodes, um, very carefully. They know what, what they want to reveal they know something that's going to make each episode feel special whether it is here's sting yeah literally well, <laughs> you know showing up for an episode sometimes it feels like but i feel like we're not getting any information for us to mm-hmm. be able to to figure out what the murder mm-hmm. is ahead of time i am not watching the show to try and like figure it out that, yeah like that's not the purpose i, I get a little bit of that throughout the show but yeah, I don't think that's how the. And then we'll, we'll I, I don't like, think that's okay. how this one's set up. I think it's like there's a murder mystery going on, but really just kind of hanging out with these people because and... there there's just like so it's vibes. Really, it's it's. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that's what I when I said like so much about what these characters are. It's like the energy they're bringing. It is like you just said vibes. There's is... three completely different energetic characters, like with very different energies, but the three of them together just is like so wonderful and then each actor playing with each other is they're just playing off of each other really really well and it's it just gives you yeah some comfy cozy feelings in the middle of a a murder show but like there's there you know there's a little bit of that like oh i love it i love these three i want to see them more because they the actors work are are phenomenal together and then the characters have been written really well so should we talk about each one of these characters? Uh, since, since we're we're praising yeah. the energy that they bring, mm-hmm. um, if you were if, uh, just for you, which one do you believe is like the leader of this trio? Oliver. Uh, yeah. 
I, I would say it's Oliver because he he has the higher, bigger energy, and then he he is mostly the one that's like he's the instigator. Yeah, like ins- instigating it. Yeah, he's initiating every every uh, idea, and and if someone comes up with an idea, he's like, yeah, let's do it. He he's the one that's jumping the gun on things and and okay, running. I'm not say- at all saying you're wrong, but for me, I think it's Charles. <laughs> I just feel like if Charles. Isn't there? Oliver still starts doing things. I can yes. see that. And I if think that's Oliver's not point. there, then Charles is not going to get much done. Yeah, I think maybe why I think it's Charles is like Oliver has the manic energy that's just kind of going in all directions. Yeah, I think Charles is the one that directs the energy. I I feel like it's not Mabel. It's between the two of them, but they they obviously they don't work well without mabel being there they've, oh, they've they, gone they that direction and they are, that. they are not they don't work well without mabel being there but yeah oliver will do things without uh charles there Ma- mabel but and charles... charles are like the guardrails yeah <laughs> whereas like if they're not there oliver's total chaos yes yes uh, but but also Charles is the one that's usually like the first voice for the podcast. Like they're like, okay, Charles, you gotta you gotta say it now. Yeah, he's the speaker. But I feel like I don't know. It it it's really hard to really. It depends on what you're you're saying for leadership. Because because they undercut Charles's competence constantly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even though he was the one that like was on tv as an investigator yes he did not get anything out of that he has some (laughs) awkwardness to him in in the way that he reacts and interacts with with people especially Mm -hmm. in regards to his show all right so let's let so charles if you're going to find him as a character well we have Mm -hmm. him being played by steve martin as a retired well largely retired actor um you know, occasionally considering getting back it, into it involuntarily into retired. <laughs> yes. <actor. laughs> um, uh, definitely a bit more reclusive. Uh, yeah, he isolates. Yes, I think that's a good way to say he, he, he doesn't like to have to like he's more introverted. He doesn't like having too much, uh, too many people around. He keeps throwing away omelets. <laughs> constantly they look fantastic i don't know what his issue is (laughs) no they look better than fine those are good omelets Mm -hmm. yeah when when we do get a lot of shots of food in this in this show and and one of charles i guess that you would say like his tick is that he's trying to make the perfect omelet and so we see him like slice all the veggies perfectly and uh you know crack the eggs and whip them just right like they talk about it in in one of the later seasons i don't even know if it's like necessarily about making the perfect omelet like i don't think it's a pursuit i think it's he he used to make it like an anxiety but i think they Mm -hmm. went into it because it was something to do with the past relationship that Mm -hmm. he had he would make the omelet yeah and so now it's it's almost like a compulsive behavior yeah yeah but you can see that in in his apartment too because it's all clean and pristine and Mm -hmm. things have their specific spot it's not that he has ocd necessarily but he he does like to have things in their spot and mm. have things and they don't, clean. I don't think they talk about that no. as a character trait. No, I definitely think it's just not. Evident. It's it's just shown there, and which it is, also which is shows in, in the way that he presents himself too, because he will just 
like he doesn't like when they're out and about like try and fix things like mm-hmm. monk would do but he he is making sure that he's not taking up that much space mm-hmm. and yeah he stands in a spot and he keeps his hands yep close yep. and but yeah they don't like point it out or talk about it as as characteristics necessarily mm-hmm. and um but but it's totally evident and and i think they design it not just into like how he's dressed or how he's acting, but also like his space and everything. And they do the same thing for Oliver. I really love that they have the apartments completely, completely show who that character is. Mm -hmm. And it's not Charles's basic is very modern, white, crisp, clean. Yeah. Whites Uh, and grays. Yes. Not Uh, very many things out and about. Sharp, hard angles on everything. Everything's a right angle in his Mm -hmm. apartment. And it's not going to have much accent. And Oliver's (laughs) is is like... Chaos. (laughs) And like the walls have molding. The ceiling has molding. Warm colors everywhere. Deep, rich purples and browns. There's like wallpaper and like velvet everywhere. There's so much stuff. Curves everywhere. Like like not at all the hard edges of, of... uh, Charles's apartment. Yeah, so like his furniture is is like that plush furniture, but it's got like the wooden frame around the outside, mm-hmm. but it's a decorative mm-hmm. frame, and so it's got like flourish and because he's eccentric. He he's a Broadway actor or producer, producer, yeah. and director he too. and director. He's very he wears eccentric scarves. He's always and got coats, a scarf and like a purple coat, and and he oh, has this manic eccentric. Uh, energy and attitude and mm-hmm. and how he approaches things he he doesn't really go around things and he's just kind of like okay we're gonna do this okay we're gonna do this and and kind of all over the place a little bit many gestures definitely the, Especially the description gestures, for him yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah his hands are always busy um mm-hmm. i'm sure i am doing it you may be doing it as well like what he does with his hands all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like his yeah. fingers are spread and his hands are facing each other He's such a, like, it's so Broadway. (laughs) Like, you see him broad and and know that the show, knowing the show is is in New York, he's Broadway. Mm Because he's, the way he he walks down the street, the way he crosses the streets, he's a New Yorker. He's a Broadway producer, director. He he has so much energy about him that's like, okay, yeah, this is a performer and a director for Broadway. Mm-hmm. And in talking about how the apartments represent the characters, we then see Mabel's apartment, which it's is unfinished, unfinished, half torn down, half being transformed into something else. Mabel does not who know what her life is going to be, who she mm-hmm. is. She's yeah, still she's, trying she's to figure out what her career is going to be. Um, and so even that is absolutely representative of who she is as a character and also what some of her role is uh, w- within this group. Mm-hmm. Her costuming is it's different like it's it's not all just one style yeah there's a lot of different things but she wears a lot of stuff that is like bulky or voluminous and so it's it's um like when we first see her she's wearing that coat with the glasses and the headphones yeah so she's completely obscured yeah Mm -hmm. and so it is unclear like she is the mystery yeah yeah um, out of these characters where the apartment's like well the apartment doesn't tell me anything about her her costumes don't really tell me anything about her. Like they, and we it, later it, come to find it's not her apartment; it's her aunt's apartment that she is renovating. Renovating, which sounds kind of sketchy. Yes, 
Yeah, um, for her, her as like a mid twenty year old, I think is how she, she's being she's played. Be like twenty six or something. She's yeah. an artist. We we come to find out, mm-hmm. but yeah, she, her her costumes are are different. Like she has like this grand coat and these fun glasses, but then she dresses down mm-hmm. a lot. And her it's... her posture is not stiff like Charles's. Um, and it's definitely not manic. She's kind of inclined to like put her hands together. She'll like play with her own fingers yeah, kind of thing. And so she keeps herself small, but it's, it, it's like a non-confident and instead of they like, definitely this is who I am. Play off of her being younger and knowing mm-hmm. technology or knowing the trends, knowing how things, what, what to say, or uh, kind of, because then you get things where she's definitely not um, like always in the know. Yeah, and with um, with her role with these three, she is giving a performance where she has a very flat affect. Like she is much extremely, yeah, like like just a low baseline and, mm. and with very few spikes of energy. Whereas, yes, uh, Oliver she, she is all energy her mouth in every direction much. at all times. Uh, um, Charles is steadier than oliver but definitely has more emotional spikes up and down than what mm-hmm. we yes. tend to see from, and she's from mabel super subdued and she, it's like definitely it, it's mumbly and yeah. it's uh, it's clear that it's intentional this is not like yeah a performance defect or yeah. something like that it's like no this is and the character that she is portraying i could see it being people being like no the selena gomez just doesn't know how to open her mouth or or how to use her face to react but no this is this is mabel's character she's an executive producer on this if she didn't want the character to be this way the character wouldn't be this way yes and and it also especially in this first episode you're like i want to know more about her i want like i there's she's hiding something something is not being fully told and you get a hint of what it is at the end of the episode with the cliffhanger of Mm -hmm. the hardy boys and it's just it's she she definitely does a great job in being like okay i'm hiding something but i'm not clearly hiding something yeah and i think her energy going back to that term that we use for these characters is so key for the comedy uh you know the interplay between charles and oliver and mabel you need that completely different level of energy that she is bringing to it it makes the contrast with Oliver in particular really sing and become so much funnier. Uh, If, if it was Mm -hmm. like a, you know, like a three stooges where everyone is manic. Yes, that could be funny, but it's a different kind of funny than what we're getting from this. And I love the combination of these three characters and what that allows us to get as we're watching their, their interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about it a lot with this one. I think about three amigos because Mm -hmm. that's, um, Steve Martin and Martin Short in a trio, except it's with Chevy Chase. And this is not like a modern representation of, of the dynamic of the three amigos. Like the energy of Martin Short in this versus three amigos is different. And the same for yeah. Steve Martin. And so it's not like you can just transpose them and be like, yeah, they're doing like the three amigos thing. And, and Selena Gomez is the new Chevy Chase. Like that's not what's going on. Like they are acting into this while still doing what I'd call like pretty standard comedy for them. Like Mm -hmm. the standard approach is going to involve Martin short being more manic, but it's different kind of manic in this or in, in father of the bride. Like, like these are actors who are doing different stuff, even though they have 
a history of working together as comedians and a pattern of like how their characters are going to be like, they're still different every time. So in father, the bride, he's a side character and he's playing a caricature. Like he's not playing a fully formed human at all. Yeah. In, yes. in father, hey. the bride in this, like just in the one scene with his son, it's like, Oh, oh there's, got it. there, there's real humanity yeah. and a fully formed character that is present in the pilot episode. And I think mm-hmm. for all three of these characters in the pilot, we're getting enough, whether it is Charles Hayden Savage, like his, his uh, melancholy feeling when a, a fan is like, oh, my dad, I used to watch you with my dad. My dad's dying right now because your career was so long ago is the implication <laughs> right there. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's like a melancholy that, that we get layered in right there. And then uh, the scene of like Martin Shore is doing real genuine acting when mm-hmm. he's uh, like asking his son for money, asking his son for money. And you get the layers of oh, shame and love yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, and and neediness, but also pride and wounded pride. Like it's all there. He, and he's really giving you everything you want. And then with Mabel, like we get these hints of like some weirdness uh, where she is always like planning what her defense or attack right. would be. There's an underground the violence to her. But we don't like because she's the mystery one, because she's the one that's under construction, because she's the one that's not fully formed. We don't get that full revelation yet, but we know it's there. We know it's going to come. And it does come uh, throughout the series because mm-hmm. I, I, at least for me, like I had enough trust in what I was getting from every other character that they're not going to give, um, you know, too little to to Mabel. Like, like we are supposed to be a little uncertain of what our feelings are about her, particularly with that big twist reveal at the end of the pilot episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's deliberate. And across the 10 episodes in the first season, we get to know her more. And across three seasons, we've gotten to know her very well. Um, I wanted to throw in like one extra thing for for Martin Short, because mm-hmm. right after the scene with with his son, where you get all of those kind of depressing emotions <laughs> coming yeah. from yeah. him. He steps outside and he gets like a text that they want to do the podcast and he gets like this elation and they do this surreal, surreal moment where he like falls off the stairs and bounces back up. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do a ton of that, like surreal stuff no. in the show. I feel like it's really in this pilot. Um, it, I feel like it's isolated to that for the most part. I think so. But I, I mean, you get the, uh, the white room in the third season. Oh <laughs> yes. But that, that's a little different. That feels a little more within the rooted scope in of what things. the character's experiencing right then. Yes, where it's like this like one, a surreal symbolism. Yeah, and and this one had to do with like his narration um, from earlier in the episode and everything. But but he has a very real. I mean, it's a good acting transition from like the most depressed he's been in in the entire episode to the most thrilled he's been. Yes. in the entire episode, and he has that that shift. And that lightness, and you can see it in his posture and in his face yeah. and everything. Martin yeah, Short, I, maybe I'm a good actor? Legitimately <laughs> impressed with all, all three of these leads. Um, like, clearly, like, the, the two of them are legends already, right? And Selena Gomez had experience up for, I don't know how long Wizards of Waverly is. Uh, it was a while. It was a while. She, but she, she had years. legitimate acting experience. That I don't know. She, she, she probably, like, a decade of experience in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But then she she went off for a bit because she got she, she did lupus. singing she well she did singing and she then she had, kind of got she had, health. she had she had I think mental health on top of um, lupus getting diagnosed with lupus and um, and so she needed to get that under control before she jumped back into anything else but yeah she had like the classic little bit of Disney star. Um, career going from a mm. tv show with with maybe a movie to, and, singing, to singing and and then kind of unknown and and the, like this is where she settled yeah 
I mean, I know there's going to be people who like very naturally, well, like child acting on a Disney show. That's not like real acting. But part of it is like she's getting the reps and what it's like to do takes to be on set to like mm-hmm. understand the the language of of television acting at that young age. And it's not the same as being called on to do a dramatic scene between a father and son, like what Martin Short gives us in this or, you know, right. anything like that. But she's got, you know, her 10,000 hours of acting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, she, before she, that, she was even on Barney. So mm-hmm. she was on Barney for, I don't know I when. I have no so idea. You, she knows how to interact right with the camera. She knows how to interact with the camera and how to this interact with This is new knowledge. <laughs> yeah. It's the natural transition. Other? Are there yeah, any other children stars TV. that came from from Barney? Disney. Uh, Demi Lovato, I think, was on Barney with po- Selena Gomez. Possibly others. And possibly others. I had no idea. This is like the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, Ryan Gosling. He was a Masketeer, wasn't he? I don't know. I, I, I might have gotten some of those names wrong. I was just trying to pull '90s pop. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot of been a lot of people in the yeah. pipeline. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to say about Only Murders in the Building before we wrap up this episode? If you have not watched this show and you've listened to this whole episode, (laughs) go watch it. (laughs) Especially if you're okay with F-bombs, unless you can find the version that aired on ABC. Yes. (laughs) A lot of casual use of language is present in this. Yes. Uh, Andrew, any final thoughts? Nope, we're good. All right. Well, like Kestra, I do recommend this show. Uh, it is a lot of fun and paying attention to the way that they reveal stuff about the characters. When I was rewatching the pilot, it was like, it reminded me of how good this is. Cause having watched at that point, 30 episodes before going back to the pilot, I think I, in my head, it was like an accumulation of my time with these characters is how I knew them so well. But when I was watching the pilot to write the summary, I'm like, Oh, they knew who all each of these characters were right away. And they're telling us, both explicitly and implicitly um, who they are. We get voiceover narration for each one that that's one of the conceits that they use with the podcast is we can hear their thoughts because this might be something they've recorded for the podcast. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does. <laughs> this would be something with the podcast. So, so we get some explicit knowledge from their own words, but then also things like the costume design that we've mentioned or the set design is telling us how well they had worked out who each one of these characters are before they started showing them to us through their performances or, or you know, um, by, by what they're going to show us across 10, ten full episodes. Uh, and that's a level of craftsmanship that I always appreciate. I love it when you can start to really look at the care of every choice of what appears on screen and know people knew and put effort uh, into telling us everything visually as well as the actions of the characters themselves and their words. All right, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. We are recording. All right. Then I will uh, 
and get us introed.